You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. Good to be with you. As I said in the first service, I've heard about this great church for many, many, many years, and I'm honored to be here today. This Lima community is known for its health and its influence and its ministry in this city and around the world. Thank you for who you are and, and what you're about and what you're doing here and for the good things that are happening in the life of the church. Uh, Patty and I are, are honored to be here. We love Chip. I'm not as acquainted with Nicole. Is she in the service, this service? There she is back there. Wow, you look like a teenager. <laughs> Doesn't she? You sure that's not your daughter? <laughs> you could go to jail, you know. <laughs> there are laws in this country. Uh, well, I, we look forward to meeting her and getting acquainted with her and the kids. Um, it is a privilege to be here. I want to um, read some scripture for you from Exodus chapter 3. I think it'll be on the screen. I'm not sure. I read from the New Living Translation. I'm sorry. Um, I used to use the message a lot when I pastored a college church in Olathe, Kansas, and one of our sweet little ladies, sweet sometimes, but one of our, we call them sweet little ladies. She came to me and she said, oh, pastor, don't, don't do that. And I said, well, it's, it's a, a, a paraphrase of the Bible. She said, but it's not the Bible. Well, I said, it says the same thing, only in language that people can understand. She said, but, but please don't do that. So whenever I would read from it, at the end, I would say, <clears throat> for her benefit, this is the word of the Lord, sort of. So <clears throat> if you're not comfortable with a translation, this is the word of the Lord, sort of, okay? And uh, invite you to give your attention to the reading of the word, uh, Exodus chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Now, I, I find humor in Scripture. Is that okay? Sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, I just laugh out loud at some of the things that happen. And there's, a, there's really a point of humor here. For me, anyway, I, don't, I have a twisted mind, so I laugh when other people are not laughing. <clears throat> but um, I'll, I'll try not to, to be out of line here. So Exodus chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. I just, you know, I love my father-in-law, but I'd hate to work for my father-in-law. I, I don't know, but it's okay if you're doing that. I hope it's working out nicely. So Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. You know, when we're in the fire of God, we don't burn up. That's good news, isn't it? We're transformed in the fire of God. It didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. 
Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I want you to notice the way God introduces himself all through the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I have a feeling that God would like to introduce our children as the God of his, their mother or their father. Parents, our influence is really, really strategic in the kingdom of God. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the, a bunch of Hittites and Tites people live. <clears throat> Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now, here's to me the humor. Listen to what God has said. I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries. I'm aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them. Verse 10, now Moses, you go. <laughs> this is all I'm going to do. Now Moses, you, you go take care of it. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Isn't that a wonderful story? Um, and there are three things that I want to talk to you about this morning uh, as, as briefly as preachers. Briefly doesn't mean much to preachers, but there's a countdown back there. So I think, I think something happens if you go too long and I don't want to see what that is. Maybe nobody's ever seen what that is. And three things that I've come to believe about God. It, it, it came to me about 15, maybe 20 years ago. Uh, in traveling and preaching and, and in years of pastoral ministry. And the, the first thing that I've come to believe as a conviction for me is that God is always up to something. He's always up to something. Now, the problem with God, if I can say that without getting in trouble, is that he does not tell us what he's up to when he's up to it. He doesn't tell us that. What God expects of us is to live with the conviction and faith that he is up to something. In your life, in my life, right now, today, God is up to something. You might be here, you might say, well, I'm not even a believer. Well, doesn't matter. God's up to something in your life. Everybody, God is up to something. God is looking down. God is at work. Uh, one of the challenges that I've faced uh, in, in the recent years, uh, there are a lot of things that you begin to worry about in certain seasons of your life. And I found myself <clears throat> trying to pray and say, oh God, would you 
come into this situation. And when I pray that way, what I'm saying is that a situation is the dominant concern of my life right then. And it's defining my life. We human beings are so good at letting somebody else's reaction to us or some event on the road or some event in the neighborhood or a, a message in a letter. We're so used to letting those particular moments define our lives and they become the context in which we're living. Now, if you've never been in a situation in your life where you're consumed with a thought about a person or a concern or a desire, whatever, that, that's the thing that's driving you, that's the thing that's haunting you, that's the thing that's, that you're preoccupied with. And we keep asking God to come into that situation. Well, I, I've had it all wrong in my prayer. What I have to do is learn to live in this truth that God is always up to something. And when there's something in my life that doesn't seem to be exactly what I want it to be or what I feel like I need it to be, then I need to bring that situation or circumstance and put it in the context of this truth that God is already at work in this situation. He's already involved in this situation. I don't have to invite him to come. I don't have to ask him to care. He already cares. He's already concerned. He's already interested because God is always up to something. From the beginning of time, God has been up to something. God has been up to something in your life. And sometimes we see it immediately, but sometimes we only see it in hindsight. Uh, I, I was uh, pastoring a church in Oklahoma and things were going so well. The church was growing. We had an Easter service and people were standing around the edges of the sanctuary. It was, uh, it was just incredible. It was a wonderful season of, of, of in the life of the church and in our lives. And uh, we had 12 members of the board and eight members of the board got together uh, one Sunday afternoon, the church is growing, so we we're going to have to build. And they wrote me a letter, and they were all my friends, every one of them. Every one of them loved me. They loved Patty. They loved us. They loved our, ch our, 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 our child at that time. We had a, a little boy. And they wrote me a letter and said, Pastor uh, Johnny, we love you. We love what's happening in the church, and we're thrilled about the fact that we're going to build a building but we think it's time for you to go because we don't want to build a building with a person of your temperament. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, this is wonderful news. Well, Patty and I didn't say anything to anybody. Uh, I did have a cousin who was a pastor, and I did share it with him. I didn't share it with anybody else. And I never talked about this publicly until all the people who had signed that letter have died. And they were, they were our friends. Now, I don't... No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I didn't want to embarrass any of them. But you know... Finally, Patty and I got to the place where we, where we put that in the context of what God was doing. And I realized in, in hindsight that they did me a wonderful favor. God was at work. And he knew, 
He knew that I needed some refining in my personality. You know, God works on our personality. He, he knew that I needed to be humbled in some areas of my life. He, he knew that I needed people who loved me speak into my life in such a way that would challenge me. And I opened my life to a whole new arena in which God went to work. Up until that time, I didn't know to surrender all that. I, I didn't know. I, I, I was never very smart, and, and I'm still not there yet. But, you know, I, I needed that. I, I learned then. I didn't put it in words at that time, but I now know what I did is I, I brought a brokenness. You know, when someone you love and someone who loves you speaks kindly a hard truth, it hurts. You, you know that. You have to be careful when you're going to do that. And you may need to do it, but be careful how you do it. But I surrendered that to the fact that God is always up to something and that God is in this as well. And I can't tell you all the benefits that came into my life when I quit letting that letter define my ministry and my, my, who I thought I was and who I thought they were. And I thank God for that. I, I just tell you that story to say there are times when something happens and it becomes such a, a huge thing in your life that you think about it when you go to bed, you think about it when you get up, and it crowds into your thoughts nearly all the day long. It just keeps pushing and shoving. But if, if we can realize that we live in the context of a God who is always up to something and everything that comes into our life can be used by him to help us become the people that he wants us to be, then we find ways to become more and more the person that God wants us to be so God can do with us and in us what he wants to do. So I owe those people a, a, great, a great thank you. And I'll see them all in heaven. They're all in heaven today. And I'll see them. And if, if they'll let me, I'll thank them. I think if, if I care, I mean, I care. I don't know if we're going to care about stuff like that in heaven or not. That may be trivial stuff there. But I thank God for that. God is always up to something. Even, even in a hard time, in a good time, in the ordinary times, God is always up to something. Always up to something. The second uh, truth that I've come to believe, and these are fundamental truths to me, these are anchor truths to me, is that God always has a plan. God always has a plan. <clears throat> now, Moses didn't know what God was up to. Now, God had already done remarkable things in Moses' life. Uh, Moses should have drowned, you know, as a baby, should have been killed, and then he should have drowned. But instead, he grew up in Pharaoh's household. He was heir, a parent, to rule in Egypt. He received the best education. He went to the Harvard and Yale and Mount Vernon of those elite schools back there. He, he, was, uh, he was the chosen one. And everybody knew that. He had every opportunity, every privilege that a person could have. And, and, and God had a plan for his life. Now, Moses 
had a plan for his life. Pharaoh had a plan for his life. Pharaoh's daughter had a plan for his life. But God had a plan for his life. God always has a plan. And he always has a purpose. Nothing ever happens that's incidental. It just doesn't happen. God's always working in everything. He's always working. And he always knows what he's going to do. Another story in scripture that I, I, I really first preached this message out of it is, is the story of, of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Um, great, great story. And, uh, you know, Jesus went to Philip and, and it, it was late in the day and the disciples had already said, one of the other gospels uh, tells the same story. And it said, well, the other gospels do and you can get a little bit from each one. And, and in one of the gospels, one of the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, it's getting late in the day. Let's send the people home so they can, they can get food. We don't have any, anything to feed them. So then later in the day, when it's too late to send the people home, Jesus goes to Philip and he, and he says to Philip, where are we going to get food for all these people? And if Philip, if I had been Philip, I would say, are you kidding me? We told you three hours ago. It would take all the money we have. It'd take a year's wages to feed these people here today. There's no way we can do this. Now, the scripture says in that passage in Mark, that Jesus already knew what he was going to do, what he wanted to do. That's a key phrase in that story. Jesus knew what he wanted to do, but he was looking for somebody to do it with him. Yeah. That's the key right there. Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the key. Jesus knew what he wanted to do. He, he always has a plan. And and, of course, the plan was to find the food, and it took somebody like Andrew. Andrew was one of those, you, nobody would want Andrew in their church because the first thing Andrew did when he became a Christian was go get his brother and bring him to Jesus. <clears throat> and, and here he is, everybody else is standing around saying there's nothing that can be done, and Andrew's out there looking for something, anything that he can put in the hands of the Lord. Is there anything out here? And he finds a little boy and takes him and this little lunch and he gives it to Jesus. And Jesus, you would have thought he had a semi-truck deliver a load of food out there. Jesus held it up and gave thanks to the Father and began to distribute it and everyone ate and enjoyed the afternoon. And the little boy had to explain to his mother where he stole all the food that was left over. 12 baskets full and he just took three and it just didn't add up to her. I don't know how he, how would you explain that to your mom? Um, I don't think a, there's a mother in the room that would buy that story. <laughs> I just don't see anybody buying it. Anyway, God's always up to something. He always has a plan. So when God is speaking to us about something, it isn't like he's wanting us to invent the thought or create. That's not... The, the last thing, the last thing I've come to believe about God is that God seldom works alone. God doesn't need us, does he? I mean, really, look at the person next to you. Go ahead, turn and look at them, it won't hurt you. Does God really need that person? 
Are you kidding me? Of course not. It isn't that God needs us. It is that we need to be needed by God. We need to participate with God in whatever God's doing, whatever it is. And God is always up to something. He always has a plan, but he seldom works alone. And I, I just love again this. I've, I've seen, I've, I'm really ticked off, Moses. I've seen their suffering. I've heard their cries. I'm aware. So I've come down to rescue them. Now, go do it. Well, folks, that's the way God works. God may be saying, I, I want to send a great revival to Lima Community Church. Maybe you don't need a great revival, but if you do, maybe God wants to send a great revival. And maybe he's just looking for someone who will buy into his plan and someone then who go do what's necessary so that the power of God can be released and then that, that God can bless this congregation in even more dramatic and even greater ways than he has in the past. God seldom works alone. I, I only know of two things in the Bible that God did by himself. And first was creation, did that all by himself. And the other was he raised Jesus from the dead all by himself. Other than that, I don't think you can find any place in Scripture where God did something significant and meaningful without somebody else participating and being his hands and his feet and his eyes and his lips, his presence. He, he, he works through people and pretty much ordinary people. I see a few people out there that might be extraordinary under certain circumstances. But, um, you know, we're all pretty ordinary. Y'all look pretty Midwestern to me. I mean, I remember the day I crossed the Mason-Dixon line for the first time. I thought I needed a passport. I grew up in Texas, and I didn't know. I pastored in Florida. I, I didn't know, but here I are. Yeah, I spent most of my ministry north of the Mason-Dixon line. It wasn't something that I thought about. It was the leading of God, the, the choices of God. What God needs from us is not certain abilities or gifts or graces or creative thinking that's not what God needs from us what God needs from us is our availability I'm willing I'll do it I'll do it I, I don't know how I don't know where I don't know when but if you lead me I'll do it I'll try it and sometimes I've said to God I don't think this is going to work but okay if you want me to try it I'll try it all of the ideas that I've had that were so creative haven't been good, but the ones God has are generally good ideas. He just waits for us. What is God waiting for you 
to be willing to do? It's a good question, isn't it? What's it going to take for you to say, Lord, I'm all in? Yeah, I'm all in. I'm pretty nervous about it, but I'm all in. I remember we have a, a young man who's coming to our church in Dayton, and he, he has knew hardly anything about God or anything, and he's dating a girl who grew up there, and she doesn't know much more than he does. So it's kind of a risky situation. But he fooled around and got saved, you know? We didn't, we didn't mean for that to happen. He didn't mean for it to happen. We didn't put a mark on him and say, let's get him. <laughs> we tried to be nice to him, and sometimes that's all it takes. It's just to be nice. And now I believe God's trying to call him into ministry. And he keeps talking about, well, I don't know. Uh, he's changed his plans for where he wants to go to college because he's not sure he can serve God in the way he wants to serve God by pursuing a certain degree. I think God's going to call him into some kind of ministry. And you know what? I think when he's sure of it, he'll say yes. I believe he'll say yes. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll argue with God. I think he'll say, he's so eager. Uh, he just soaks everything up. He's a big kid. Uh, he, he, he'd be a good uh, offensive guard. Yeah, if anybody needs one, he would have been the guy. Just a nice kid. See, God is, God is up to something in our world. Don't you believe that today? Can we, can we believe that? As, as horrible as the news is every day, can we not believe that God is up to something grand and with great purpose in a world so broken and fractured? I believe that. Even in light of the vote of the state of Ohio to make abortion and transgender, all that stuff legal for anybody, no age limit involved, some people are going to be co-parenting with the state of Ohio before they know it. I, I still believe that God is up to something. I'm not discouraged about that. I don't think God's abandoned his people. God is up to something, and he has a plan. And you and I are his plan. I don't think he's made a good decision there, but that's... <laughs> I mean, really, would you pick us to do what he's talking? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you have any idea how much he's depending on us? Wow. It's just amazing, isn't it? He's depending on us. If you've got a situation in your life and, and, and maybe that's what you go to bed with at night and what you wake up with in the morning and what you think about all through the day and you've been praying, oh Lord, would you please come into this? Stop praying that way and start praying, oh God, would you help me to put this into the fact that you are up to something in my life even in this, 
you are. You don't have to toss and turn all night. And you don't have to carry, you're gonna carry the burden, but you don't have to carry it like you're carrying it alone. You don't have to fix everything, but you have to be available to be used by the Father. Because God's up to something in that. He's up to, and he has a plan. He has a plan. He may send somebody else, but he may send you. There may be an opportunity that just surprises you. You, you, you never saw it coming. I, I've had people come up to me and they'll ask me about something and I'd been praying about that, not for them. I never thought about them, goodness. But there they are. God is working, opening doors. But the, the real question is, are you willing to respond to the call of the Father? Here, my Lord, send me. Here, my Lord, use me. Here, my Lord, put me on the bench wherever you want me. But I want to be a part of your great plan. You're doing something. And if, if I can only watch from the bleachers, that's fine. But boy, I want to be a part. I want to be a part. I want to be a part. I'm going to invite you to stand with me, would you please? I'm going to uh, just open the altar for a closing prayer. If there's, that, there may be some young people here today, and you've just been kind of thinking maybe God's messing with you, and you're not sure what he wants to mess with you about, I'd invite you to come and kneel here this morning and say to him, Lord, I don't know. I don't know about this. I'm pretty nervous about it. But I want to promise you, when you make it clear to me, I'm in. I'm in, whatever it is. Whatever it is. And there may be some of us who've kind of been watching things here in the church, and we really haven't. I mean, we, we come, we give, but we really haven't rolled up our sleeves and found a place. To, to make a difference and God's been talking to us and you just want to come and say Lord I'm not saying I'm worth a lot but whatever I'm worth it's all yours it's all yours you can have it I'm in I'm in I, I want to be a part of what you're doing and Lord if this, if this burden I'm carrying is I'm trying to do it too much by myself, then help me to trust in you that you have a plan here and you're, you're at work. Anybody who'd just like to come for a closing prayer before I'm going to close with prayer here in just a moment. Anybody would like to come and just kneel and talk to God about something in your life, in your family, something that you believe is too much for you, something that you got to have some relief, you got to have some help, you need some direction. You want to make a right decision. You just need, yeah. And if you have family or friends or a son or a daughter or spouse and you just like to come and pray with them, you're welcome to do that as well. I don't know if you do this often here, but I really believe this is a wonderful place for us to just think and talk and yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah. Let's just pray together, okay? Let me let me pray. Father, we come to you today and
we confess, I confess that I believe you're up to something. You're up to something in Lima. You're up to something in this church. You're up to something in the heart of our pastor and our staff and our lay leadership. You're up to something. You're up to something in our families. You're up to something in our personal lives. You're up to something. I wish you'd tell us what it is, but you will show us someday. You will. I know that. And I know you have a plan. You have a plan. Your, your dream, you're helping us to dream, helping pastor to dream. You're helping our church board to dream. You're helping all of us to dream a dream. You're helping me to, you're helping us to dream dreams for our children. Patty and I dream dreams for our grandchildren. We dream dreams for our son and our daughter and their spouses. We dream dreams for ourselves. You, you, you have a plan. You've got, you've got something for us. And we just want to say to you today, Lord, we're volunteering. And I don't know what that's like. It's a pretty big risk to volunteer to you because you take great liberties with the lives of those fully committed. But we're willing to take the risk today. We're, we're willing to do it because we trust in you. And we thank you this morning for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit, for the moving of your spirit, for what you're gonna do in this church and in our pastor's life, our, our staff life. We, we just, I wanna thank you today for what you're up to in Lima, Ohio, and in Lima Community Church. I wanna thank you for the plans that you have that we don't even know about yet. And I thank you that you got some people here today who are saying, I'm in. I'm in. You can count on me, Father. Just show me. You can count on me, and I'll do it. I give you praise this morning for who you are and what you're about and that you even bother with us. You can do it all by yourself, but you just don't like to do things that way. So we give you praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Do you ever give God a clap offering of praise? Do you ever do that? Would that be okay? Yeah. Amen. Amen. And amen. Thank you, Dr. Warwick. As you head to your seats, I think it's just good. It's always amazing to me that um, God always is calling people out to lead us and speaking to people and you know, when I asked Dr. Work to come, I just, uh, I didn't even say, hey, speak on this or do this. I just knew that the Lord would, would impress on his heart and as he walks with the Lord. And so can we just say thank you to the works for coming and sharing with us this morning? Yeah. Truly believe that what, he's, what he has shared is going to, it's going to be planted in our heart and there's going to be fruit from it. And so thank you very much. Let's just pray as we go, Father. As we go from this place, may the truth that has been shared with us and our commitment to the truth be something that takes shape through this week and the weeks to come and in our life, Lord. May we be as Moses was, hearing, now go, and being willing to go. And Lord, you are always up to something. You have a plan. And yet we see that you seldom do it alone. You use us. 
Lord, may we see that, believe that, and lean into that, I pray. In Jesus' name, you're going to use us powerfully. So we pray these things in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Have a great week. May you be blessed. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.